0: Welcome back to another episode of Unleashing the Future of Work with your host, Tim Salau, Mr. Future of Work and CEO of Guide, and another episode of the Unleashing the Future of Work, a guide podcast. And as we all know, we are in control of our future. And now more than ever, in the era of COVID-19 we realize that our future is not something that happens to us, it's something that we mold. And you know, today I'm honored to have Paul Estes on today's Unleashing the Future of Work live online podcast. Paul Estes is an unstoppable advocate and evangelist for the talent economy who is dedicated to creating opportunity for everyone, reskilling by doing, and bringing diversity to our work. For 20 years, Paul struggled To balance his home life with his fast moving leadership roles at Dell, Amazon, and Microsoft, where he led a team of progressive HR, procurement, and legal. Trailblazers to launch Microsoft's first gig economy freelance program and platform. Hiring his first virtual assistant transformed the way he lived and worked. Today, he is the editor-in-chief of Staffing.com by TopTal, a destination dedicated to driving a conversation through expert-driven content and thought leadership. Staffing.com is centralizing For is a centralizing force for understanding the dynamic future within the rise of remote work and expansion of the freelance economy and the future of staffing. Today, you know, Paul and I are going to be discussing like everyone's favorite topic right now remote work, COVID 19, as well as how, how do we embrace this new normal that is work. And more importantly, the awesome book that Paul recently actually dropped, you know, unknowingly during this time, Gig Mindset. We're going to dive deep on that as well. And without further ado, I want to welcome Paul on the show. Paul, what's up, man? Hey man, thanks for
1: There's a, there's a couple of things that thank you for the kind introduction. <laughs> there's a, there's a couple of things you missed. I'm I'm also a homeschool janitor. I'm a homeschool cafeteria worker and a homeschool principal. So those are new things that have been added right, over the past right. 4 weeks to to my resume. So how have you
0: how have you been, you know, surviving with everything going on? I mean, we're in a pandemic, <laughs> you know, how, how's home life been for you?
1: Well, the, the interesting thing is I'm originally from New Orleans. My wife is from New mm. York and we live in Seattle. And so we've had family in, you know, most of the hot spots, uh, what's going on. So first and foremost, um, I know a lot of people whose health has been impacted. And so I try to wake up every day and mindfully... Yeah you know, reflect on the fact that we're in many ways very fortunate. We have health, we've had, yeah. you know, stable jobs and um, and support. And so I'm thankful for that. And I'm also mindful hmm. that a lot of people um, are suffering. But on, a, on another note, you know, I, I started working from home eight months ago or nine months ago. You know, yeah. I made the pivot from 20 years of cap- captive corporate America uh, to, to working from home. And so for me, uh, it's been less of a transition. I would say that my wife, who works at Microsoft and a corporation, has had a harder time making the transition. But I would say over the mm. past, past few uh, weeks, she's kind of figuring it out and, and getting into a new rhythm. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what happens when she goes back.
0: Yeah, so tell us a little bit about your career path. How did you want one, get involved in tech because you've worked in tech for quite some time in your life, but then how did you transition to embracing, you know, the gig economy?
1: I think one of the things you know, I was, my dad bought me my first Tandy computer and I know I'm dating myself when I say that. (laughs) The future future of work has no idea what a 2400 baud modem is and and those sort of things. Um, But I I was always fascinated by what technology can do. And so when I graduated school, I had my first opportunity to go to mm. Dell Computer and spent seven years there in the heyday in 2000, and um, seven years, and did the music program and a lot of things mm. in technology uh, there. After that, I got an opportunity to go to Xbox at, at Microsoft and spent 13 years there and did a stint also uh, at Amazon. And so I always liked the pace and the innovation that was happening in technology. It was always something really mm. interesting. It was, um, The people that you got to work with were, you know, always trying to make things more efficient and go faster. And so I I got caught up in that race and I enjoyed uh, the time there. I think when I had my first children uh, Mm. was when I started to my, you know, my daughters is when I started to rethink everything. And like you said, I hired a freelancer about five years ago now. And it was like the first time I used Alexa or the first time you used your iPhone in 2009. It was just one of those moments when I realized that the way I did things, you know, the the way I worked and lived every day would be different. And that has held true for the past five years. In fact, I've engaged three three freelancers already this morning to work on a (laughs) wide range of projects for me personally uh, and professionally.
0: Yeah. And you know, you are, you know, I've known you for quite some time now. I actually worked with you uh while I was working with Microsoft, and that was the first time I met you. And I remember I, I remember you, the first
1: I, time I remember the first time we sat down in my office. <laughs> yeah.
0: right, right? But I, I mean the, the I mean, one, I mean, aside from your amazing energy, it was your mindset, right? And it's funny because you, you named the book, you know, the gig mindset, right? But it was your mindset and how you saw work and how you were already living in way beyond be, way before, you know, what is now literally the future of work, right? And this this idea that everyone's embracing remote work. You know, let me ask you, right, because we definitely have people tuning in from all over the world. Shout out to Christy, who's tuning in from Houston. Shout out to Xavier. You know, show us some love in the comments, wherever you're tuning in, we'll show you some love as well. And shout out your home state. But, you know, you have people all over the world who are watching, and this is their first time experiencing this new normal. You've, you've been there already. You know, do you have some tips on how they can get used and get accustomed to this new normal?
1: I think there's a there's a couple of things that I've seen. We've actually doing some bonus episodes on my podcast, The Talent Economy, where mm. I interview just real people and, and mm. talk about what they're learning. And, and most of these people are not coming from remote environments. And I think there's there's three things that I've noticed that are that are consistent. Mm. One is you know, setting up a space. I know mm-hmm. it's it's an every trick thing, but you know you need to when you're working from home have a place where you work, and especially now where you might have your kids at home or your partner, wife, or mm-hmm. friend, might, you know, might be you know cohabitating with you. You know, having a place is really important that you go and work because it gives a signal to people that hey, don't disturb me when mm-hmm. I'm in this place because I'm I'm working. And for me, that was one of the the big things that I did when I started working from home was really mm-hmm. create. An, an office, so I, I do work from the office. It just happens to be, you yeah. know, located in my in my home, and so um, that's one of the things. My wife has set up a office uh, in our house, and you know, bought a printer and, and got all um, of the things that she needs to create a, a work environment. So that's number one.
0: You yeah, but we and work I'm, inside your home,
1: right? right? <laughs> uh, well, yeah, we have the kombucha and the other things. <laughs> we don't have a ping pong table, and, yeah. you know, that you're used to. Um, I think the other thing is recognize that it's different. Mm. You know, don't, don't try to say, "Oh, this is the way I worked at the office, and this is how we're going to work now." I think, you know, as I watch people, many people come and say, "Well, of course, I have meetings all day," yeah. and they, they sit in their chair. I remember vividly my wife the first two days coming downstairs after you know being on calls from seven thirty in the morning to six o'clock with no break. She didn't eat and she was grumpy. And, I, and, and we talked about it and I said, no, no, you know, you have to block time for lunch and you have wow. to hold that sacred. You actually have to break, you know, block time to go for a walk and, and you know, just kind of those breaks, because when you're in an office environment, hmm. you may walk from meeting to meeting or, or go for a walking one-on-one and some of those things, um, you know, they're they're different when you're yeah. walking remotely. So now she takes her headphones, puts her phone in her pocket, stays six feet away from everybody, of course. But but now goes on -on one-on-ones and she goes for a walk and the other person goes for a walk. And so it's a virtual walking one-on-one, but it it Mm -hmm. took a while to understand those things. It took a while for her team to adapt to, you know, smaller meetings and writing things down and and communicating. They use Microsoft teams, communicating asynchronously, asynchronously. That's that's a different way of communicating. And so I think the first realization that she had was, Hey, this is different. Okay. Mm -hmm. So how do we adapt? Uh, and it took a month and, and they've adapted. And and I asked her just last night, I said, hey, is, is stuff falling through the cracks? You know, yeah. works in a part of the business, Azure, the cloud. And she goes, no, the team's actually adapting to this new way. Some people are still struggling. Um, and the other thing is, you know, don't forget to be human.
0: Mm. I think Talk to me a little bit about that.
1: What do you mean by that, being human? I think the number one thing we forget when we work, you mm. know, is like when you're working on site, You, you know, you see people, you tell stories, how was your day, you know, what's going on and you check in with people and you're able to close your office door and maybe have a personal conversation. When you're working remotely, it doesn't lend itself to that human interaction. It doesn't lend itself to those daily check-ins or, you know, kind of those niceties of how was your weekend and stuff like that. And so what we've done or what I did when I moved is I spend probably the first five Minutes of every call, you know, yeah. having a random conversation and a human conversation. I also have coffee breaks with people where yeah. we do 15 minute coffee breaks that have absolutely nothing to do with the work we're doing. In fact, there's a gentleman, David, on our team who's a gardener. And one of the things that we're starting to do, maybe we're prepping, but we're starting, to do, <laughs> you know, gardening and getting the girls into gardening and learning that while we're all locked in our house. And, you know, David and I spend time. You know, talking about gardening because he's an avid gardener and uh, lives in California. And so, you know, you have to intentionally do that, whereas before you didn't have to do that. And I think it's more important than ever that we stay connected because I know that there are people struggling with this for lots of different reasons, whether it's how they're working, whether it's personal issues that they're having, whether it's mental health and wellness, which is an extremely important topic right now. And so, You know, if you're feeling good and making the transition, find time to intentionally every day Mm. reach out to somebody and spend 10 minutes. Yeah. You know, I'm pretty liberal with my time and anybody reaching out. I I try to find time in the schedule, one, because it refreshes me and gives me new perspective. Um, Mm. But two, I think it's it's important. And so those are the three things. One, make sure you have an office. Acknowledge that this is different. It is change and and lean into that change. And, you know, three, like I said, don't forget to just be human.
0: Mm, I love that. I love that. What are y'all thoughts unleashing the future of our community? If you have some thoughts on what Paul just said, make sure to leave it in the comments. We have people tuning in from Cleveland, Ohio, Paul. Shout out to Kaya from Cleveland, who is having a lovely day and is tuning and watching us from Cleveland, Ohio. And by the way, community, I am sorry if my video looks awful I do not know what's wrong with that but it's probably because we have over a billion people on the internet now at the same time so my apologies community I'll make sure I get that fixed for the next uh, episode I'll give
1: <laughs> I'll give you a tip Tim I had a I had a what they called a legacy plan with Comcast and I yeah. called them, and I gave them my upload and download speeds and they said oh you don't have the the 2020 vision plan I'm like nope nobody told me about the 2020 yeah. vision plan and they <laughs> They 3X the, the speed of my internet for an extra $10 a month. And so wow. if I don't know what internet provider you have, but you may just want to call them and see if there's a, a new plan.
0: Yeah, yeah. AT&T is definitely going to get a message for me. So, you know, uh, you know, I'll, I'll go ahead and stop my camp. I think, Paul, you keep your camp because you're looking awesome and the community loves you. But I want to dive deep on your book, Paul, right? Gig Mindset. Man, it's a bestseller. If you haven't copped the Gig Mindset, make sure you cop it on Amazon. It's already a bestseller. And Paul has, I mean, he's achieved a claim of notoriety because of the book and how prevalent it is in today's time and age. So talk to us a little bit about Gig Mindset. You know, What was the book about? And what inspired the book? I think that I was inspired because how fundamental, like this idea that
1: I could go to the internet, and engage with people on demand who had time, but not only time had skills. They yeah. were just better at things than I was, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I you know, think about my podcast. I think about all the content work that I do. You know, I'm I'm not the world's best narrative writer. In fact, in the mm-hmm. book, I talk about how I produced the book using this mindset with Scribe Media. Everything in the book is something I've said, thought, and is very conversational, But I didn't sit down at a computer and type it. You have to buy the book to understand uh, the process. And so when I realized globally how many people had amazing talent and time and I could interact with, it opened my eyes up to an amazing way of of doing things. And and so – that experience, because before I was limited to the people that maybe I could find on LinkedIn or the seventy-five people on my team, or maybe the people that were you know walking around Microsoft that I could network with, and you know that's a very important network. But when you open yourself up to everyone on the planet, uh, yeah. it's a game-changing way to look at engaging with people. And and I got more excited the, the more I did it. I, I was learning, I was learning more about different cultures. In fact, I just had an article in Fast Company talking about location bias. And and this mm. idea that you know, you're know you just gonna surround yourself by people who can help you based on location uh, is a very narrow way to look at. It. And I'm I think thinking. we're all learning that. I think we're learning that now with technology. And so I was inspired by that. I knew it would change my career trajectory. Mm. So you'll hear a little bit about that in the book. And there was a framework that I, you know, as more and more people asked, uh, that I was teaching, which was the TIDE model on how to taskify projects, how to identify what you might be good at or what somebody else might be good at, Mm. um, how to delegate. You know, one of the hardest things in the world is is to give up control and and delegate to people, especially people who have you know different cultural backgrounds or have different or from different places, And, and so you don't have shared, you know, uh, expectations. And so you have to navigate all of that and then how to evolve, you know, it's mm. sort of like the sudden remote challenge that's going on right now. You know, how do you take these new things of working remotely and really bake them into your daily life, into your, you know, the way you work. And yeah. I found myself being more fulfilled working this way. I found mm. myself having more freedom and I found myself engaging with people that, Inspired me. You know, I talk about mm. uh, there's a newsletter, I, my LinkedIn newsletter goes out to 80,000 people every week. And I partner with Tim, not not Future of Work, <laughs> but, uh, a freelancer uh, that I actually just talked to this morning down in Ghana. And wow. he's amazing. And we, I would not have the time and capacity to produce uh, that newsletter without his help. And it's not a transactional relationship. I think yeah. sometimes that you know when people think of freelancers in the knowledge workspace in the business to business space yeah uh, i think people say well yeah that's just a transaction you don't care about the person it's actually not true you know like there's yeah. been times that tim and i have had a relationship for almost a year now and there's been times when i found projects cuz he was going through something and it's it's two humans uh, connecting i do think there are some people that treat these relationships as transactional and i yeah. i think the quality of their work will suffer i think They will struggle to really um, get the value out of this way of working. Uh, But for me, it was transformational. And I, you know, I got so many people were asking um, that I felt the need to write it down and say, here's a a book that can maybe help you.
0: So let me ask you, so did you always, were you still having kind of like one-on-ones or bi-weekly one-on-ones with uh, Tim from Ghana as you all continue to work together? We started.
1: uh, Yeah. You know, we started with a video call and, and started talking to each other. And then, um, yeah, we just check in all the time.
0: Yeah, we, yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, we communicate and and check in. And um, I have the same with uh, one of my researchers. Uh, wow. And he does a ton of projects and have done projects for me for the past three years. Uh, wow. And I learned about, you know, his holidays and, and culture. And he learns a little bit about mine. And so it goes back to the fact that you have to be human.
0: You, know? wow. you
1: treat this transactionally. You know, you'll get those kind of results, but pe- humans aren't going to stick around. You're not really building a durable mm. network of, of people. And I would say over time, you know, I my current network's about 25 uh, wow. people that I've been working with for over six months, some multiple years. And, you know, it's project-based work, but we, you know, communicate and I'm looking out for them or, and I refer them because they've uh, done, you know, great work with me.
0: And, you know, I think this is indicative of the world that we're moving towards, right? And you've been living in, I think what's so amazing, and I'm sure our community is just like mind blown by this, is how much, how easy it is for you. (laughs) It's like, this is just life, right? Like I come to my computer, I'm working with people in Ghana, you know, the UK, it's, it's, it's natural for you. You don't have to even think about it. And that's why I really encourage you all to check out Paul's book, Gig Mindset because he gives the framework. He mentioned it tied. And one of the things I really loved about what you were saying, Paul, is, you know, I, I I work with freelancers as well. And one of them, her name is Allison. And, you know, I, it's a, it's a human relationship, right? I know about life with her son, you know, like she talks to me. Me about what she's going through in relationships. Like we really connect. It's not just her, just me tasking her. To, hey, help me with this, and I'll forget about you tomorrow.
1: Right. No, I think that's and that's one of the myths I try to always bust in in working this way. And the other thing is, oh, I, I want to address. You said it's easy. This is where my wife always comes in and tells me before <laughs> dinner, like you didn't see him working at you know, four o'clock or three o'clock in the morning trying to figure this out for a year and a half. And So yeah. you know, one of the reasons I wrote the book is because I had spent so much time trying to figure out best practices and, and how to work and examples. And so, you know, that's why I, I, um, I produced it. So, it, you know, I, I, it is it's one of those human uh, relationships and you have to you know, constantly be mindful of that. But if you lean into it, um, it's, it's very powerful. One of the other things is there's this us and them mentality that I've mm. experienced. Now I'm a freelancer, right? I'm on the other wow. side. And <laughs> when, when, when we were in a corporation, I kept hearing people say, well, I have a job and, yeah. and I, I feel bad for every freelancer. And again, I'm, I'm stereotyping in very broad strokes. And so I know that there are both employees that are having Challenging experiences, and there's many freelancers uh, having experiences, especially in the B 2 C space with uh, you know the platforms like Uber and stuff. And so I I want to talk about the business to business space, and mm. and but there's an overarching theme that that I learned. Employees would say, "Well, these freelancers, I man, I feel bad for for all of them. I mean, I can't believe it. I have a job. I drive here. I come to the office. I yeah. have my benefits and stuff. And then when I got to the freelancing side of the world." There was more and more people that says, "Man, I feel bad for everybody that's locked in a captive office and has to commute <laughs> an hour and has a boss and doesn't get the freedom I have." And so, there's something. I, I bring that up because there's something in the middle. The truth mm. lies, you know, somewhere in the middle. I, I don't. I had great experiences in corporate America, and yeah. I had terrible experiences in corporate America. And you know, in corporate America or working for companies, you are held captive. You know, mm. you're you're paid a salary and that salary is to provide work for the company and you don't have a lot of freedom on what you're allowed to do. You know, it's funny that, you know, moonlighting is now side hustle, but the word side hustle doesn't show up in your employment agreement. And Mm so, you know, there are these things where companies are trying to figure out how to adapt and and how to help people reskill while still, you know, in protecting their time and doing the work for the company. And I think, the suddenly remote thing is really putting a question around, does a company trust you? The working remote is are you trusted? Am I trusted to work from home? You know, what my policy, it was funny. I was in a leadership team meeting and, you know, the team goes, well, we need a work from home policy. And I'm I'm like, well, what does that mean? Work from home (laughs) policy. Then well, we need to write a document and and then people need to apply and then they have to get their manager's approval. And I, I was confused and they asked me, well, what's your policy? I said, it's very simple. We hire adults who are, are grown a responsible yeah. adults. We pay them very nice and good salaries. And I trust them to do work where they need to do work. And if they're letting the team down and they're not getting the work done, then that's mm. called a performance issue. And, and we have many structures and ways to handle performance issues. And so I, I think managers and leaders are starting to really have to deal with Mm. Do I trust my team? You know, they're working mm. from home. I, I don't see them for the first time, maybe in my career. And and what does that mean? Is work still happening? Is my mm. job to oversee and micromanage work, or is my job to really provide expectations, clear outcomes, and some of those things that maybe, maybe we got lazy with, or maybe managers got lazy with over time.
0: Mm. And so
1: I, I think it's, you know, we're really entering an age where uh do I trust the people I'm working with mm. or not? And and what I found with working with my freelancers is, look, the more you build a relationship, the more you trust, the more you learn how you work, mm. the more and you read it in the book, the more you learn how to talk about outcomes, talk about expectations, talk about how you work. You mm. know, hey, I work in the mornings. I'm not going to work at night. Like all of that stuff. And and you get into this rhythm where it's pretty durable.
0: Mm. I love that Paul. I love that so much because it goes back to what you said earlier. Work is human, right? And I think, you know, now you're 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 starting to see because I made a post about this on LinkedIn that organizations aren't only challenging what their technology stack looks like. They're now challenging what is what is our culture, right? In a remote first world, right? And you know, I think post COVID-19 we're going to see a lot of organizations. I don't think it's just a matter of just having an all remote organization. I think it's a matter of just giving flexibility because that's what everyone wants. I just want to be able to have control and feel as if I have an option to work from home at least 2 to 3 days out of the week. I I would
1: build on that. I think everybody wants to be trusted and empowered mm. and feel psychologically safe. Yeah. And I think, you know, the good managers I have when I look back at my career 20 years in in technology at big corporations, the time that I think I did my best work, where I showed up well, was where I was trusted and where I was empowered, right? Where there was a relationship where I didn't feel like, Hey, I missed this meeting and oh, you know, where information flowed freely and transparently where, you know, there was that connection that, Hey, I'll let you know if it's like, you're doing good. I'll let you know when things are falling down. We did daily check-ins and there wasn't this, Hey, annual review process, you know, or or quarterly review process. Like I knew every day whether I was performing or whether I could have done better. I got real time feedback. Yeah. Um and I I still appreciate that from my my team today and so I think you know managers and mm. leaders are really going to have to take this moment and say and reflect and say how do I want to lead going forward because there's a famous book which I love is like what what got you what got you here won't get you there mm. right? And so I think you know it is it is changing. I I think there's we often talk about organizations but I you know I'm an advocate for the talent economy and I believe you know, that talent has a choice. I believe that we all should find relevant skills, figure out where we can provide value. And I think in many cases, if you do that, you can start to have that flexibility and you can start to have a choice. And I I think what's going to happen is that organizations who are able to really lean in and say, what did I learn? How do I create an empowering um, and trusted place for people to work will attract top talent? The other people will fill seats. I I think there will be always an opportunity to to fill a seat, but you really have to start to ask yourself if you have managers who don't adapt in this moment, who don't adapt their leading styles and don't create psychologically safe workspaces and create trust, Mm. you have to ask, are they getting the best people? And I believe that organizations and companies have a responsibility to hire the best to accomplish their mission. And so Uh, I think it's a really interesting time,
0: man, Paul, you are preaching, man. And, you know, our audience is loving what you're saying. You know, let me show love to Kimberly, who is saying the best managers help you grow and give a strategy to help an employee grow as well. So they really outline the career path and career growth for that employee they're supporting.
1: It's interesting. I had I had a conversation once with an employee. She was a, an amazing person, had great, it was very talented. And, we had this conversation. I said, hey, this, this is what the job is. The job had changed. Like we were, you know, strategy was pivoting. The job was changing. And I said, look, this is what the job is. You know, I, I can, you can grow into this job mm. or I can help you find another role inside the company or, hey, I've, I have a network and I'm happy to, to do that. And I remember coming back. I remember her looking a little shocked and she thought I was trying to move her out of the team. Wow. And, and what I was trying to do was really trying to help her find a place where she could show grow. up and be engaged in the work and and both learn and grow and and stuff like that. And I think one of the things that leaders and we all need to think of is that the idea of an HR written down career path just doesn't exist. I mean, I think mm-hmm. it used to. I think the idea that HR is by the time they write the career path the ladder, <laughs> I think they're I think there's skills. I think there's skills that people need. And those, I think, are a ladder. And the more senior you get and the more leadership responsibility you have, there are broad swath things. But the idea that they're going to give you a tactical way to climb a career ladder, I just don't think is as relevant as it used to be. I think some organizations are still hanging on to that concept. Mm. But as a manager and a leader, you have to be open to the idea that a person may need to move on. Mm. And that's okay. Your job as a manager and a leader today and tomorrow is to help people find value to help people find paths that where they can continually learn and be honest with them if that role is not that wow. and let them make their own decisions. You know I think one of the things Tim you and I have always talked about is when you moved on from corporate america especially at Microsoft you had a manager that didn't think it was their job To help you learn and grow. And you're at the beginning of your, you know, relatively the beginning of a long and successful career ahead of you. Yeah. And you opted out. I signed out. (laughs) (laughs) I signed out, man. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm out. This isn't for me. Yeah. I think going forward, more people are going to have that option. Mm. You know, more people are going to show up after. I was talking to a friend of mine who, who is, you know, always at the office, man. He worked early morning to late nights and he was off and he sent a text last night. We have one of these friend threads going on. And he said, I don't think I'm ever going back to the office. Wow. And he's a top performer. He has a very niche skill in the hardware space. And you'll start to see people like him say, look, I'm happy to, to, to work equally as hard, but the way I'm will be different. And if not, I may find another opportunity. And so I think we're in a world where organizations will start reacting to the way the talent they want will engage with their organization. The organizations mm. will not have the control or the perceived control that they think they do.
0: Mm. So, you know, Christy saying, you know, trust in helping your people succeed and grow is what it's all about. And Opuaya Jumbo, shout out to her. She is tuning in from Naija, Nigeria, Paul. <laughs> so much unlearning needs to take place now with leadership in the current workforce. Agree to that. You know, and what's so interesting, you know, about what you're saying, Paul, is the fact it's going back to trust, psychological safety, and this reality that, you know, I don't, you know, I've said this on record before. I don't believe career ladders exist anymore. To your point, it's really what what matters is skill-based acquisition. Because every employee needs a certain level of skills to take them to the next level, or to maybe allow them to pivot into a new role in a new industry, things of that nature. And I think at the same time, we 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 have to start giving people the option. And the optionality, right? You know, one of our good friends, Eric, he, he speaks about the optionality framework for organizations. And I think he wrote something about this on staffing.com. And I think the same applies to a worker, an employee, the talent that they have this optionality framework to maybe, if they're in product management, to pivot to product marketing or within your company or beyond your company. But at, to your point, Paul, is you can't stifle talent. That's not why that's not why talent exists. And even when you think about the best managers, they're not only the best leaders, but they're the best talent managers, right? Like Beyonce's talent manager is probably like blessed because she's working, (laughs) he or she's working with Beyonce and is pushing her as the talent, right? So like you, you have to think of yourself as like, if you're a leader, if you're managing the team, are you acting like you're managing a group of Beyonce's? Or are you acting as if you're you're just w- focusing on cognitive machines? That's my little funny analogy to just get leaders thinking.
1: Well, <laughs> it's it's not only a cognitive machine, is your job to hold people captive? Mm. Is your job to hold people captive in a meeting? Is your job to hold people captive on your team? Like I I witnessed a lot of people that that protect their organization and their headcount yeah. at the peril of people on their team. You know, and and there's reasons people do that for budgets and, and scope of work and getting things done, and so I always advocate for people to take control of their careers. Mm. You know, really start to invest in yourself. Look, companies can only take you so far. There was a, a great manager I had one time, and uh, you know, the job was what it was. The organization changed. I had gone from a this role to this role, and and so I was there, and I was getting frustrated and what I realized in that moment is he was giving me the best that he had on his team. Like this is, this is the rules that we have and they just weren't a fit for where I wanted to go. And it was one of the first times that I realized that it was up to me to chart my path. It was up for me to get the skills that I needed. And, you know, just like you, Tim, build a brand, find a voice, find a lane where you can provide some value and follow that thread. Mm. Um, and you know, writing the book in the gig economy is over five, six years uh, worth of work and insights, and meeting with executives all over the world, meeting with all the CEOs of the major platforms, and really deeply understanding this idea of redistributing economic opportunity. Mm. I don't think that there's anything outside of healthcare, the environment, and the third thing I think is is jobs, right? Is opportunity, and what I found. That once I removed location, yeah. You know, once I got over my location bias, yeah, the amazing people that I interacted with all over the United States and all over the world um, was amazing to me. And I encourage everyone to try that you know to, to see the people that you can meet expand your network cuz that expands not only opportunity for others it expands opportunity for you it gives you modern skills mm. that will propel you into the future and your career and you, and how you think of what you can accomplish will fundamentally change and so that's why I'm passionate about the idea and that's why I why I wrote the book
0: man paul listen to paul Unleashing the future of work community. Please listen, go get the gig mindset. And in addition, start realizing you have an option. You have an option. I think now more than ever, we're realizing that, you know, in a world where people can't go to networking events, there's no more career fairs. How are you building that presence, that personal brand? How are you creating that path? without your company's intervention, right? Because now every company is re, even rethinking, one, how are we doing reskilling? Also, how, how are we doing promotions in a remote first world, right? When you don't see anyone, right? So you can't, there's no more bureaucracy uh, to saying, oh, that person knows that person, right? So like, how are you actually, you putting yourself out there and being top of mind? You have to use the internet now. You have to use LinkedIn, things of that nature. And, you know, I think Paul, you know, I would love for you as a, as a takeaway for our community, you know, what are practical things that our our community can do or people can do right now to embrace the gig mindset?
1: I think the, the first thing I always recommend is find a project, whether it's a, yes. a life project that's on your I should get to this at some day list or you know, work project that says, Hey, I'd like to do that, but I don't have time or a side hustler. You know, I have have friends that do nonprofit work and say, man, I'd like to provide more value to my community, except for, I don't know how to do design work and I I need to do some flyers or I, I don't know how to, you know, collect a list or whatever that might be, or a website update or um, just doing some admin work for, you know, your organization, find that project and start, Mm -hmm. you know, go, go to a site, and I'm looking at my my toolbar right here on my computer, you know, go to a site like Fiverr, go to a site like Fancy Hands, go to a site like Upwork and engage someone. If you haven't already engaged someone, you know, go and try those uh, sites. There's one called uh, Clarity FM.
0: Uh,
1: And Tim, I can send you all this information and you can share it. But there's a ton of sites that enable you to reach out and connect with an expert and somebody to help get stuff done. And I think that starts to open your eyes to what's possible. I think, mm. it, you know, if you look in the world, if you look in the future and say, you know, one day I want to be independent. I want to be an independent worker, whether it's you're 25 or whether you're, you know, 50 years old, you know, some of the, the audiences that I talk to are in their forties, fifties, and sixties later in their career saying, yeah. Hey, I still need to engage, but I kind of want that, extreme flexibility and how do I do that well you're still going to need some kind of support so learning this mindset is important if you're at the beginning of your career if you're a manager in the middle of your career or and most importantly if you're you know towards the end of your career how do I build something Mm. durable so that I stay relevant
0: I love it I love it Paul You heard it here first, folks. Shout out to Daniel, who is sharing Paul's book in the comments. Shout out to Barb, who is one of our top fans of the Unleashing the Future of Work podcast. She is over location buyers for name brand purposes. She is the brand and she's owning it. Shout out to you, Barb. You are an awesome, awesome woman. You know, with that said, Paul, it has truly been a blessing having you on the UTFOW podcast. You know, what is your last words, parting words for our lovely lovely audience and community.
1: Look, if I can be of help, hit me up on, on LinkedIn. You know, I, I'm happy to help as many people as I can and, and mm. provide advice. I write a bunch of articles, tons of articles on LinkedIn. Uh, staffing.com has a lot of articles uh, on how to work remotely. We have the Talent Economy podcast. I have the book. And so a lot of those assets are, are created um, to really help people understand. In fact, Tim, today we're starting our first live LinkedIn live show. So following your footsteps, uh, we have Shelly Palmer, who's an amazing gentleman in media. He's been there many years uh, and and we'll have that conversation. So, you know, follow the content, but most importantly, Mm. you know, you own your path. Companies are doing the best they can to help, you know, providing learning opportunities, you know, career opportunity. They're doing their best, but it may not be good enough. Mm. And so, what I encourage everyone is to understand that, understand where those deficiencies and don't be caught by the fact that one organization or one company couldn't help you get where you wanna go. Hmm. You know, take small steps. What's the the one, you know, every day, if you do 1% better uh, at the end of the year, it's amazing what you can accomplish. And so that persistence and that practice will pay off.
0: Man, it's truly been an honor, Paul. Thank you all to the Unleashing the Future of Work community for tuning in once again. UTFOW.com if you're interested in being a guest or know someone that's interested in being a guest, UTFOW.com. It's always an honor. You know, it's so funny because Paul has always been an inspiration to me in the work that I do, and it's truly been a blessing having you on the podcast, Paul. One, because you're sharing this information to the world as well as our community, and I think now more than ever is the time for us to realize that in a post-COVID-19 future world, you have the opportunity to take control of your career, embrace the gig mindset, and more importantly, create the options to succeed long term Sean, one of our lovely fans is saying you own your path. Shout out to Sean and make sure you all to go get Paul's latest book, Gig Mindset. It's already a bestseller. It's in stores now and the audio book version is coming in out. Stores. Soon. I, stores. <laughs> no stores. It's online, right? And the audio version is coming out soon, correct?
1: Yeah, as soon as I can, can get recording one question for you, Tim. Um What's up? I know I, I think the audience are you going to be the Mr. Future of now? <laughs> that's the, that's the future of work is accelerated, so you may want to think about changing that handle to Mister Mister Now,
0: Mister Future Work That sounds that sounds even catchier. All right, y'all. Peace, love, and tune in tomorrow for another special guest. Peace, y'all. Thank you, Tim.